you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show. My family and friends for 14 years going on 1,500 episodes. The Chris Voss Show has been coming to you broadcast uh, to wherever you are, in your car, in your house, in your uh, home, your work, uh, whatever that. I mean, you could be living on a Vidoc. You, you can listen to the Chris Voss Show, and it's free, too. So that's probably why you're living on the Vidoc, listening to the Chris Voss Show, because I don't know. It's, it beats just living on the Vidoc. Hey, who's doing that? Everybody lives down by the river these days anyway. Uh, so <laughs> welcome to the show, my family and friends. We're going to be talking about AI, uh, and uh, we're going to make the show really intelligence, but with artificialness. I don't know. See what that did there? I don't know. It sounded funny in my head at the time. Uh, and we have an amazing guest uh, CEO who's going to be on the show to talk to us about it. But in the meantime, as always, give us five stars over there on the iTunes. We certainly appreciate those uh, referrals. And also go to goodreads.com, Voss, youtube.com, Voss, the big LinkedIn, LinkedIn newsletter, and linkedin.com, Voss. We're going to be talking with Dr. Lana Feng today, uh, she is a uh, CEO and co-founder and has over 20 years of experience in biotech pharmaceuticals and focused on precision medicine. We're going to be talking about her company, Huma AI, and uh, she worked with Novartis Oncology Business Unit and built the biopharma division at Geno Gen Optics, I think. Uh, increasing sales from zero to 45 million in five years. She also forged alliances with pharma companies and provided CDX development for targeted therapies. Uh, welcome to the show, Lana. How are you? Great, great. Glad to be here. And it's wonderful to have you as well. Uh, give us your dot coms or your dot AI, maybe I should say, so people can find out more about you guys on the internet. Yes, it is www.huma.ai. And I'm on LinkedIn is Lana Fan. There you go. Uh, so uh, tell us about this company. Give us a 30,000 overview of what you guys do there. Okay. So what we do is to um, automate a lot of the uh, data analysis and uh, we can use AI to accelerate the uh, development of life-saving drugs, hmm. bring them to market faster. There you go. And I know it takes a long time to develop uh, different drugs and pharmaceuticals. Is that correct? That is correct. And part of the reason that it takes 10 years and $2.6 billion to develop a drug, that is why oh. they're so expensive, is because of this um, bottleneck on data. Oh, so, really? um, and th this is a problem that extends into the healthcare as a whole, healthcare life sciences, because it's a highly regulated industry and it's highly complex. So we have a deluge of data. There's a massive amount of data, could be electronic health record, could be, you know, payment data, your insurance data from, you know, our clinical trial data all the way to scientific publications, right? So there's massive amount of data. And these data, we call them in sort of a different disparate systems that don't talk to each other. So this is another 
um, uniqueness for our, our system. And then lastly, is that 80% of that data was what we called unstructured, meaning they're not numbers, they are, you know, free text, right? They are documents. So the industry relies on really kind of experts like myself reading those documents in order to come up with intelligence insights. So oh, we're wow. really, yes, go ahead, Chris. I, I was, I was just uh, saying, wow. Uh, what, what sparked the creation of this company and uh, what made you want to do it? So maybe I can start with my kind of personal journey. Sure. Yes, please. So do. I was, um, I grew up in a family of physicians. Right, my parents um, so wanted me to go to med school. <laughs> I was, but you know, being the silly, you know, ambitious young myself, and I said, you know, I wanted to get a PhD. I want to go into drug development so I can, you know, treat patients at scale. Right, so that kind of became my journey. Instead of um, medical school, I went to graduate school and got a degree in um, genetics, and then um, and did a, a postdoctoral research at um, UCSD in San Diego, in California, and then directly went into industry. So this twenty years of experience in precision medicine is very much focusing on developing cancer drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, precision medicine is about giving the right drug to the right patients at the right time. So yeah. when I started out, um, it was kind of really at the forefront, right? What do you mean when I'm diagnosed with lung cancer, I have to submit my sample for genome sequencing, right? But then now it's common common um, practice. So really kind of um, very, very exciting journey. So you mentioned about genoptics. So I was hired very always kind of um, um, entrepreneur. So I was an um, entrepreneur, we call it, basically building new businesses within a larger entity. So um, at Genoptics, I was hired to um, build a biopharma business, right, offering the, 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 the capabilities in um, cancer diagnostics, uh, diagnostics and testing to clinical trials. So like you said, they grew that very rapidly. And then Novartis came in and bought the whole company. Wow. For, for, <laughs> so that's kind of my journey from a, kind of a small to mid-sized startups to a global, global, massive uh, pharma company. So, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the clinical trials we were doing was like 30, 50 trials. All of a sudden you have like 300 trials, right? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of like doing stuff at scale mm -hmm. and as a... Um, as a kind of, I call myself domain expert, right? So I, you know, the design clinical trials and what have you, it became kind of not scalable. So mm -hmm. manual curation of all these data, right? So uh, can we do this a better way, right? Mm -hmm. Can't rely on data scientists and they typically, they're not what we call domain experts, right? They typically came from tech. They don't understand the problem that we solve. For example, I think I'm kind of, going into the weeds, but just to help the um, audience understand, right? Precision medicine, we're enrolling patient with a particular profile, mm -hmm. for example, a genetic mutation, mm -hmm. right? If this genetic mutation um, has 10% prevalence, meaning 10% of lung cancer patients have this mutation. Mm -hmm. And that means I need to screen a thousand lung cancer patients to get a hundred. Mm -hmm. Are you following me? The ten percent. So you can get the data, yeah. You can get the, the enough patient to 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 run trials, right? Mm -hmm. Clinical trials typically fail because we can't get enough patient. Oh, really? But then, yes, that is a huge problem we're still wrestle with. Mm -hmm. But then, if you get that data wrong, and instead of ten percent 
the actual um, prevalence, right? The, the the commonality of that mutation is only one percent. So that's a big spread. That yeah. means we have to screen ten thousand patients to get to that hundred. Holy crap! Yeah. So this is really those numbers, and like it has a serious impact. Yeah. So that's why we started Human AI. Is that um, can we democratize this whole process there using you. AI? Yes. There you go. And it's billed on your website as, uh, let me see, pull this up here. Uh, Huma AI uh, begins where chat GPT ends. Tell us what that kind of means or refers to that. Great. So for those of you who haven't used um, chat GPT, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the, um, basically the, the consumer version of, we call them generative AI. Um, from OpenAI. So generative AI means that, you know, rather than surface whatever is in the, for example, uh, a, a piece of news or, or, or an art or what have you, or book, um, generative AI means that it actually AI is generating new content or new data. Mm -hmm. So um, ChatGPT, OpenAI launched ChatGPT in uh, November of last year, so about seven, eight months ago, and then basically went and hit a million users in five days. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So it was a. It's, it's. I think now there's um probably um uh, uh one billion users on the platform. Yeah. Right. So so that's generative AI. So you can ask any questions. You can plan your 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 vacation. You can do all these. You can ask it to write songs. Right. So those are kind of generated content. Mm -hmm. So what we do is that um, take those capabilities behind ChatGPT. We call them large language models. So GPT models, for example, GPT-4, GPT-3.5, you probably, you, you're going to be hiding under a rock if you haven't heard of this, right? It's like... <laughs> you are. You really are under a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so prevalent, you can't stay away from this. So yeah. we take them and say, can we make it um you know more private and more secure right to mm -hmm. work with our clients enterprise data i like like i said we help companies bring life-saving drugs to market so we focus on that life sciences pharma medical device companies so those data are precious is also highly private can we make that um, um private and secure that's the first thing there you go and and second Probably have HIPAA rules you have to deal with too. Absolutely, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, GDPR from European data. And mm -hmm. secondly, and everyone's probably has heard of um, um, AI hallucination, right? Just make up stuff <laughs> with conviction. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a. I think there was an attorney who got in trouble because he used he used uh, ChatGPT for his uh, complaint or argument, and uh, it just it just pulled fake cases, and he got in trouble. So yes, yeah, you got to exactly. be careful. Yeah. Exactly. So so what we do then we really kind of um use this we believe, right? Um generative AI is actually a very much a co-pilot concept. It has to have this human in the loop, right? And um you have to have experts for example look at the generated content and review it and then feed it back into your AI engine. We call it reinforced learning through human feedback. That's mm -hmm. how you get accurate. So um, accuracy is really, really important, particularly in healthcare life sciences, right? We're talking about patient lives here. We're talking about accuracy. We're talking about medicine. Mm -hmm. So lastly is transparency, right? We provide citations for the generated content. So it's basically saying, you know, um, what are my source documents actually support this? So why is that important? 
That means our end users who are typically MDs and PhDs, researchers, what have you, being able to trace it back and seeing, is this important? Is this correct? Can we verify this? So this is very much that responsible AI, the transparency, the accuracy, the privacy that we can provide. There you go. Uh, so do you think this is going to shorten the timeline from that, you know, 10 years or so to develop a drug? Can, that, can this uh, squeeze off a few years? That is such a great question, Chris. <laughs> That's why that big brain <laughs> behind... 1500 episodes <laughs> you're an expert in everything <laughs> I, I, I i try to be i try to be me I'm, I'm probably like an amateur in everything but i know i you know i try and put my fingers on all the pies just don't know enough to be dangerous right exactly yeah <laughs> right exactly that's the that's the purpose right yeah mm -hmm. is it can we shave even just a year off um off this um this cycle right 10 mm -hmm. years and 2.6 billion so um typically the industry standard is saying uh, a, a million dollars a day that's mm -hmm. the cost of developing new drug you can you can imagine if we just basically accelerated by a month that's how much savings right and then the upside ultimately this should bring down drug price really that would be awesome I mean, that would be awesome if we could do if Yeah, I imagine, yeah, if it doesn't take as long to develop and the cost, you know, the, the high cost isn't there, uh, saving money can really do, um, uh, really can do a lot. What other benefits uh, to life science industry do you think will come from generative uh, AI? Oh, it is so massive. Right. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you look at the uh, sort of um, the development cycle, you start from drug discovery. Right. And that's mm -hmm. actually the original playground for generative AI, mm -hmm. right? To sort of using molecule models to see can we create new molecules that could become medicine. So, and then once that is discovered, you go through kind of animal testing and you apply to the FDA to start clinical trials, putting this new medicine into patients, right? Into human bodies. Mm -hmm. And then that's why we're here, you know, clinical trials and phase one, two, three. Phase one typically is very much just finding, is this drug toxic, right? Mm -hmm. Finding the, the, the right dose. Um, and second, phase two, typically is you started to say, okay, this drug is safe in patients. Can we see efficacy? Does this actually work to cure disease? And then phase three, what we call the regulatory approval study. It's a pivotal trial where you submit that data to the FDA for approval. And then post-approval, there are a lot of things happening as well. For example, um, you have to do um, post-market surveillance. You have to do post-market vigilance to make sure you put this drug on the market. It doesn't kill patients. It doesn't have a lot of adverse events, does not have toxicity. Right? Yeah, that's always important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very, very important, right? No one, wants to, no one wants to die from a bad drug. Exactly. Yeah. And you also don't want the, the, the drug uh, medicine got pulled off the market, right? Yeah, that's true. Because FDA, there's no, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, risk is, is the first and foremost thing. There you go. And I think, I, I imagine, I mean, you tell me, one of the other benefits might be, uh, I know when, you know, hopefully we don't have another one of these uh, pandemics very soon, but I know, you know, we we're kind of lucky that the mRNA vaccine was kind of being worked on at the time. But if we get another one of these pandemics, it might be really helpful to, you know, speed the speed the approval process through for what was going on with like COVID and stuff. 
That is such a good point, right? I I,、mm-hmm. I like to 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 say that this actually is like showed us what can be, right?、Mm-hmm. What could be? It's basically you can bring a drug to market in just several months, uh, several years, right? Rather than the ten year, you could do it in three to four years, right? It's this 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 is like you know what, what the the art of the possible. <laughs> There you go. And I know there's a there's a big thing. I think it was Biden who approved it years ago. It was a cancer、uh, central database. Uh, commission, and it was supposed to take all the nationwide, you know, silos of information on cancer and how to treat it and stuff. And it was supposed to put it into one big database. I don't know how that's ever turned out, but something like that that could be cancer. You know, my sister suffers from MS.、Uh, you know, different things that could speed up. Any sort of,、uh, you know, Alzheimer's going to become a bit is becoming a big thing. Dementia, you know, is our aging. Uh, baby boomer population is, you know, moving into their retirement years. They're dealing with all sorts of stuff and lots of innovations for that. And I imagine that can be really helpful as well. That is really, really helpful. That is what we call the real world data,、mm-hmm. right? So this is not data like any companies created, but this is the data coming from the real world.、Mm-hmm. So, um, so um, on the precision medicine side, right? As as I mentioned, it started out with cancer. Now it's moving into more、um, chronic diseases, right? Such as you mentioned, you know, MS and cardiovascular disease, and is moving into rare diseases, right?、Mm. So that data becomes Even more important, and、um, aggregating all these different data together, right? You have, you know, your electronic health record, like you said, for example. Even maybe encouraging patient to volunteer their data into some kind of disease registries and what have you. So the biggest problem right now for the real world data, right? Everything under the sun, as I mentioned, is fragmentation. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's very fragmented, right? You have maybe one hospital、um, system offering their data, partner with a tech company to do this, right? You have maybe another hospital system have. So this is very much. So you never really have this three sixty view of the entire thing. Yeah. So that's why this government, <laughs> right? These initiatives are really important. I think、um, NIH has a like you know million lives,、uh, you, you know, initiative to try to really kind of take the three sixty view of all the data, and、um, even maybe a smaller patient set. But then having that government um, 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 initiative is going to be really, really important for our entire、um, healthcare life science industry. Yeah, and if AI can collect all this data and put it in one place and you know assimilate it in a way that. You know, we could find maybe the best the best methods and the best ways of processing. I mean, that that seems like it can make all the difference. You know,、yeah. I mean, it, you, you're trying to. You know, there's so much data that's shotgunned out there, if you will, and and putting it all together in one piece. You know, we can we can maybe get closer to solutions and finding stuff. This is really this this is really positive because you know some people talk negatively about AI. You know,、uh, you know the. Put cue the Terminator music here.、Uh, you know, some people are like、oh, I'm going to be out of a job because of AI, and so it, it's really good to hear that there are things that are really going to help us. And, and of course, we're going going to go through a sea change. You know,、uh, humanity does this, or you go through a sea change with new technologies, and、uh, so it's great that something like this is going on to improve our lives. I I I totally agree, right? I like to say that you know AI is not going to replace you; is the people who use AI will replace you. Oh, right! Wow. <laughs> Note to self: Get back on GPT today and start working over there. 
<laughs> but yeah, I've, I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that sentiment, uh, and it's it's true. It's you know, it, it's one of those things that uh, you've got to adapt to and adopt to. It, it's interesting how how just what a rage it's become, and and I put I put uh, you know RPR or sales pitches or different different uh, ad copy that we do in there. And holy crap, yeah. I mean, you have to go back in and edit it and put in the human part of it. But uh, it's it's just astounding what it does. Like, it's rewritten stuff that I've struggled with to get done just the way I would like it. And and they'll do it, and I'll just be like, wow. holy!" And that took like five seconds, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's really, really it, right? It's that mm -hmm. first pass, right? Mm -hmm. AI does that first pass. And then you, you, as humans, right, we come in or experts in what the topic that we were, we're, we're like, you know, consulting on um, ChatGPT to come in, kind of uh, bring that, that human factor, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I imagine, are you seeing more hospitals or more people in the medical community doing uh, adoption of AI and trying to, is, is, it, is it an industry-wide thing that they're trying to embrace it? So um, this is different, right? Then it's mm -hmm. kind of some other technologies. Yeah. I, I like to, to, to say this is probably similar to the, the dawn of like the internet, uh -huh. right? So um, we're seeing um, um, there, there, there's, there, there's a, a method to this madness of <laughs> my train of thought. So, um, so you know, when internet um, just started, right? So mm -hmm. doctors, you know, they were like, oh, you know, this, is, this thing is not good. It's, it's like, you know, I'm more accurate, right? And then as patient, as consumer myself, I would like go on the internet, you know, search like, oh, I have a sore throat. What could it be? And then bring that printout. <laughs> to my doctor would just irritate the heck out of him, right? Well, WebMD says I have everything. <laughs> exactly. I've been, on that, I've been on that website. It's like <laughs> I, I, I put in some data and they're like, you've been dead for five years. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> exactly. And we always assume the, the worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're seeing this a similar similar thing, right? So, yeah. um, for example, um, this is the consumerization of technology, right? We're seeing actually um, our clients, they've used ChatGPT um, at home, right? Helping their kids with their homework, maybe doing something for their personal use. And then they come into work and saying, hey, why can't we use chat or can't we use this for, for our you know work, for our data? So we're seeing that with physicians as well, because the barrier to entry is so low in terms of experience, in, term, in terms of getting that really like aha insights. So um, we're seeing kind of that, that lower of uh, the, the sort of the um, adoption, if you will. There you go. Uh, so who are your clients, uh, people out there listening? Who, who are the people that you're interested in working with that, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera? So we work with um, a number of uh, global pharma companies. Mm -hmm. And we also work with mid-sized um, biotech companies. So that's on the drug developer side, mm -hmm. right? Bringing medicine to market. We also work with um, medical device and diagnostic companies, oh, wow. meaning they're designing like, for example, a catheter or some kind of pacemaker, or maybe developing COVID test, right? Mm -hmm. So we work with those um, companies as well. There you go. And so they can reach out to you. I see on the website, they can book a demo if they like and talk to you guys about how to uh, uh, utilize your service for them. That's great. Yes. There um, you go. So we're very much the leader in using generative AI for this life science vertical. In fact, we um, uh, we got a huge recognition from Gartner, as you know, like they are the um, 
sort of a technology um, thought leader, if you will. And then their um, flagship products are uh, Magic Quadrant, Hype Cycles, and a cool vendor. Mm -hmm. So we got on 17 Hype Cycles for Generative AI. So it's really awesome to be mentioned in the same breath as like Microsoft, OpenAI, AWS. So, um, so <laughs> that's a really great external validation. There you go. Well, hopefully it can help people lower pharma costs, get drugs to the things faster because, you know, we, we need them. Uh, you know, anybody who has a loved one or someone who's suffering from some sort of disease um, that is maybe slowly killing them like Alzheimer's or something like that, anything that can be more speedily, uh, readily brought to market uh, is definitely uh, welcome. If it, especially if it's safe. So there you go. Anything more you want to talk to us about your company and what you guys do? Um, that is our mission, mm -hmm. right? To really kind of um, democratize this and maybe um, eventually bring down the drug price. Mm -hmm. So another thing I want to close is about this concept of responsible AI and AI for good. And I think there are a lot of um, negative um, kind of um, sentiment out there. But I think, <laughs> right, it's, um, it's about knowing the risk and really mitigate the risk. There you go. So, um, so we're part of the, some of the consortium, really as an industry, trying to lower the risk and really kind of putting guardrails in place and, um, and then um, utilize AI for good. There you go. And that's important. I mean, I know that uh, there's a lot of discussions about, you know, AI and yeah, sometimes being used for bad. I know the dark web's up to some stuff with AI. They have their own yeah. version of chat GPT uh, that has no morals, ethics or whatever. Uh, but welcome to, you know, the web, the internet. But no, it's good that you guys have that. And uh, I think this is awesome because, you know, I like I said, I, I think everyone has a loved one, probably this point, that's, that's suffering from some sort of uh, disease or issue or cancer, et cetera, et cetera. And boy, if I, man, if we could figure out a way to beat these things and, and live longer as humans and have a more healthier life. And we probably need like a chat GPT that calls you every day. You know, anytime you pull into McDonald's and says, Hey, don't order the big Mac, get out of there, get out of there. We, your heart's, your heart's, uh, whatever. I don't know. Something like that. That'd be <laughs> yeah. more people need that. Yeah. Don't, don't go with the bad food. Get some, go get some broccoli eat that <laughs> that's that. exactly right the agent right so we're have, having like you know now alternative ai can provide you with that intelligence and what have mm -hmm. you right get that content but then the next thing really is that we, we call them agents being able to actually make recommendations and help you do stuff yeah <laughs> something it gives you it, it tracks your location it gives you a little zap when you pull into that fast food thing at mcdonald's and and stuff i'm gonna get sued by mcdonald's or something after this uh <laughs> Changing human behavior is really hard, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it zaps you when you go down the ice cream aisle at the store. You know, it's like, <laughs> get back over to produce. There you go. So there you go. Uh, well, this has been wonderful and insightful to have you on, uh, Lana. Uh, give us the .ai so people can find you on the interweb. Great. So our website is www.huma.ai. Huma is H-U-M-A. stands for Humans plus machines, where humans always come first. So it's the first two letter of human, first two letter of machine, huma.ai. And I'm on LinkedIn, and um, just just Google, just search my, my name. It will come up. There you go. Uh, thank you very much for coming to the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. There you go. Thanks, so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Uh, be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And that should happen.